0: Last week, uh, you might have noticed that my family and I were not here. Um, <clears throat> we believe you had a great time without us, but we were over in Leeton having a good time. And uh, you, you were having a good time. Was that what you just said? Yeah, good. That's what I wanted to hear. We were over in Leeton sharing with Jeff and Tracy in the church in Leeton, And uh, we had a great time over there. And I <clears throat> was really encouraged by not only the fellowship that we had, but um, their response to the word that God had placed upon my heart. Um, And Jeff Jeff had asked me to preach on a certain topic, which generally I wouldn't preach upon. Um, I don't know why. It's just something that um, I tend to leave for conversation one-on-one. But it's something that I believe God's challenged in us as a church um, movement that we need to talk about. And uh, this is actually talking around the current event of uh, same-sex marriage. And I figure that today, uh, seeing that God opened the door that that I preach today... um, apart from what the roster shared, uh, God opened the door for me to bring it today. So you think we can we can move through this topic with open minds and open hearts, um, wanting to be led by what God wants us to know and what God wants us to hear and be into our community. I think that's the way to go, is have an open mind. So um, in beginning, let me just share this, this passage of Scripture as an introduction for you. Hebrews chapter 13 and 1 to 6. <clears throat> it says, Let brotherly love continue. Hebrews chapter 13, 1 to 6, I'll start again. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to the strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? As a great reminder for us, but it's in the middle of that passage, there's this, this one small verse that says, let marriage be held in honor by all or among all. So before our nation, there stands a decision that has to be made. But we don't know if the nation's going to go to a plebiscite or not. We really don't know if the politicians are going to get their, their act together and put this vote to the people to give our opinion of what is to be uh, shared. There's a lot of euphoria around this decision and this this uh, this call to a plebiscite. There's a lot of, um, I suppose, animosity that's starting to rise uh, from different parties when we're looking at what this thing will look like. And we understand what that's about. It's actually to get us to fear living out what we believe is right and true within our hearts this decision that this progressive nation needs to make to allow um, those of different orientations to to marry to change the law of or the ruling and the belief around what traditional marriage is all of these things are set to uh, erode or to undermine the things that are pertaining to truth which is the morally right ways that we have of living. It is an attempt to write God from our conscience as a nation, an attempt to silence good people like yourselves and to justify the guilty pleasures of sin. Yet how wrong a viewpoint this is when we get um, the leader of a political party just standing up and and throwing false accusation out there that the religious-minded would be, Uh, Bigotry in their thoughts and would be abusive in their attacks and onslaughts of the voice that they have. Humanity can never quieten the voice of our own conscience, let alone the very voice of God. Romans 1 18 to 21, to make this point, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, man's conscience, human humanity's conscience has been darkened because of the very embracing of a sinful life. Our moral compass has been shifted so far that we, we, we no longer know the difference between right or wrong unless we have an encounter with God's Word. So the so-called same-sex marriage bill and the other tool that is currently being used to do the undermining, which is um, the, I believe, wrongly named Safe Schools Program, seem to be the very tools that are being used to undermine the foundations of a nation. And I believe, this is just my opinion right now, but I believe... That the reason the same sex, no, no, the reason the Safe Schools uh, Coalition is being so um, vocal into our schools and trying to push uh, an agenda onto our children is because they believe that if the vote for same sex marriage went to the people, they know that they would lose the vote. So they are trying to change a generation. And a way a generation thinks by undermining and bringing confusion to our smallest within our nation. Uh, Six and seven and eight-year-olds should not be talking about gender um, fluid concepts. Six, seven, eight-year-olds should not really be talking about um, things that are pertaining to very, very small figures within our nation. Um, They should be made aware that bullying is not right. They should be made aware that we love each other. But to think that I can choose what my sex is, is a confusing concept, even to me at 37, let alone to a 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old child. So you can see the undermining that is happening to bring confusion. And I want to bring up this point for us. This is what I believe the issue is for us as as Christians. Last week, we talked about this in, in Leeton, And one of the comments that came from the, the floor was this concept that um, you can be confused. And, and many Christians are quite confused around this issue. And I think this is why it's a timely message for us. Here is the issue. Some, in their attempts to make sense of all this, have divided the opinions of others into only two camps those who celebrate homosexuality or the lgbtiq agenda and those who hate it and both of those groups exist today there are the growing numbers under great societal pressure who praise the homosexual lifestyle we might call them the left and there are people who hate homosexuality with the most bigoted rationale and apart from any Christian concern. We might call these the right. A writer writes, Jonathan Parnell, he says, The current debate is plagued by this binary lens. Those on the left try to lump everyone who disagrees with them onto the right side. If you don't support, then you must hate. Meanwhile, those on the right side see compromise and spineless in anyone who doesn't get red-faced and militant. If you don't hate, then you support. But here is my problem, as I believe this is your problem also. I fit neither of these mindsets. And I think us as a church, those who are following Christ, have the same problem. You do not fit either the left or the right also. And this is what brings the confusion. And as you sit here today seeking to live after the risen Christ. You have opportunities coming your way to either choose what the world says or to choose what the Word says. And I'm sorry, but the world's voice is quite loud on this specific topic. It's quite open. It's quite um in your face in every time you turn around i don't know if you're on facebook or on any sort of social media it just seems to be there all the time and if you're following me i'm sharing a few of those things just to give people an understanding of the perspective of what's going on but i do not fit the the extreme left or the extreme right and i would not categorize myself as either left or right in my thinking why because god doesn't put us into these boxes Colossians 1 13 and 14 says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we got a third category that I want you to hear. There's the left, there's the right, and there's actually a middle ground which is called the kingdom of God. And this is to give us kingdom perspective. I think. I think over the next 6 to 12 months, we'll have these random weeks where we'll just do a kingdom perspective and we'll look at a topic because they're current events to give us what God's perspective is of these. But God does not group you into the left or to the right. He says He has transferred you into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Jesus also states in John 15, verses 18 to 19, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me, before it hated you if you were in the world the world would love you as its own but because you are not of the world but i chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you so do not be surprised when you have a voice against the popular opinions of the left and the right because as jesus says he was the first one hated being in a different kingdom and if it was good enough for Jesus to be hated, then surely it's good enough for us to be hated. Because where do we find our love? Where do we find our acceptance? Where do we find our identity? In Christ. It's not in the things of the world. It's not in what you own. It's not in what you long for. It's not in your opinions or your views or even your moral stance. It's founded upon Christ and Him alone. Paul again in 2 Corinthians 5:20 describes us as ambassadors of Christ. To be ambassadors it means that we must belong to the very kingdom of that for which we are representing. See so see, I'm not an ambassador for the left and I'm not an ambassador for the right. I'm an ambassador for the kingdom of God. So what is the perspective of the kingdom? And I I try to bring this in a way for you to understand, to take encouragement, but at the same time to take faith in the stance that I know each of you have. The true, those of you who would say that you are following Jesus, those of you that would say, I have given my life over to Him, I am part of the body of Christ, You will say, I walk neither the path of the left nor the right. We alone have something that no one else is saying. Distancing ourselves from both the left and the right, we do not celebrate homosexual practice or their desire to marry. We acknowledge God's clear revealed word that it is sin. First Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So we distance ourselves from the left and the right. We acknowledge what is wrong is wrong. We don't, the second part of that is we don't hate those who embrace homosexuality. We love them enough to not let them collapse under societal pressure. We speak the truth in love into the confusion that they have, saying simultaneously that it is wrong, but I love you. It is a very unique voice. And I believe it is the only voice that we can have. Our love for the sinner and this unique perspective is the mark of the gospel. It is the trust that gripped our heart that in the depravity of my sin, God made a way in my confusion and my loss and my separation from God. Jesus was nailed to a rugged cross for my salvation. And He did it for you, He did it for me, and He did it for those that we would call the worst of the worst. God nailed His own Son to a cross so that that with which we could not do was done on our behalf. I was wrong, but God loved me in spite of my sin. But He did not fail to tell me of my wrong. In Romans 3.23, God tells us we're wrong, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In John three thirty-six, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. In Galatians three thirteen, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The very law states that the punishment due for us in the depravity of the state of sin that we were all in, the punishment due for us was eternal death and separation from God. What gives me the right to then judge someone who is living a different sin to me and to tell them that they are just condemned without telling them the way out, and the means by, for which they can find it. God tells me that I am wrong. God tells you that you were wrong. And yet He tells you at the same time that you were loved. Romans 5.8 But God shows in His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous That he might bring us to God, being put to death, the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And one of my favorite passages, if you've known me long enough, Ephesians 2, 1-7. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying in us the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in, king, in the kindness toward us in Christ. You see, I was wrong. And until someone told me I was wrong, judgment had already come. I was already lost to wrath. I was already going to a place that was separate from God. But then I was impacted by the gospel. The good news that God would send his only son. The good news that God himself would die in my place. The good news that he would wipe away the account of my wrong and change it for righteousness That he would make me right in his sight to show me how much he loves me. It's okay to say someone's wrong. But if we stay there, we bring condemnation. We need to show them the way out. That is love. It is the gospel that truly sets us apart unto God and defines us as we stand before humanity. We are not told to condemn the world but to intercede for them, to stand in the gap for them. And yet those with the extreme right view or the extreme left view can be found amongst can be found amongst the church of God. I think that's confusion, I think that's the voice of the enemy. I think that's not seeing the word rightly divided that there is one side of the story yes you were judged you were condemned you were convicted as sinners under the law but to rightly divide the word and say by grace you have been saved to accept that and receive that as the very truth of god where he shows you he loves you maybe we can turn to second corinthians verses five chapter five 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And I'll read this out of the the New King James for you today. I think we focus on one verse in this passage and we fail to miss what is actually around it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new that of which you were identified your sinful nature has passed away it was dead it was buried in the waters of baptism with Christ Jesus you are now new in Christ surely that gets an amen surely that you would embrace the newness of life that God gives you but yet it goes on now all things are of God on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Your ministry is not to bring condemnation, the church's ministry is to bring reconciliation to a world who knows no better. This is why. The church will tell you, read your Bibles. It's why the church will tell you, pray to God and and understand His heartbeat for a lost and dying world. It's not to meet any requirement because Christ has already done that for you. It's to give you a heart that is burdened for the lost so that you can say, be reconciled to God. Put your faith in Jesus. Escape the fire of judgment. And come into a right relationship with a God who made a way possible upon a cross 2,000 years ago. The ministry of reconciliation is who we are. It is our purpose. We are to shine the light of God into a darkened world. It would contradict love and the gospel if we did not warn our loved ones of the results of of a sinful lifestyle. And yet, we adopt this leftist attitude that says, go and do whatever you like. You're not hurting me. In fact, I'm going to celebrate the fact that you want to get married because nothing should be withheld from you. Well, truth of the matter is, nothing is withheld from them, but a title. The word marriage, which is... Very clearly stated, not just within our law, but within our word, that is between a man and a woman for life. And you see, very much, and I'll get to that in a minute, you see our convictions, our moral stance, the love we have for God can all be eroded the moment we start to step to the left and embrace. The fact that there is this worldly view of love that does not meet the true revelation of love himself. Worldly understanding of love will never ever measure up to God who is love. Or the other side of that is we step to the right. And and I know I'm stepping to my right, but you can get what I'm saying. We can take this right attitude where we're like, get red-faced and angry, and we condemn the sin of the homosexual. And yet, that is not what God has called us to do. We get this righteous anger, and we justify it because the Word says, well, why not? They're already cut off. They're already suffering the wrath of God. And we justify our stance, and it's got nothing to do with the gospel, which when we are focused on the gospel, keeps our focus squarely, Centered upon Jesus Christ. Step le- neither to the left nor the right. Be the voice of God. I love the CRC. This is one of my last points. Where God says, you are wrong, but you are loved. I love the stance of our movement. They have debated this. They've talked it out and they have made statements to their ministers, to their churches, so much so that they've written it into their constitution. I want to read this out to you because it gives a united stance of what we believe. Within the constitution, it says, marriage, divorce, this is the title of of the point, marriage, divorce, remarriage, and sexual conduct in relation to credentials, local church eldership boards, ministry leaders, and church members. Do we all fit into one of those categories? Pretty much. Okay? So this is written for us, all of us. Notice that it's not a dogmatic stance as you listen. The CRC Church's International Australia understands that the biblical model of marriage is a lifelong, monogamous, legally performed marriage between a man and a woman, in which there is constant love, continual care, mutual respect, godly order, submission, and sexual intimacy. In such a context, children may be born and raised in an atmosphere of loving care, godly training, and discipline. But it doesn't stop just there. It continues with a second... Secondary to this, it says, in our local churches, subject to issues of care and safety within our congregations, we aim to be inclusive, accepting and welcoming people, all sorry, accepting and welcoming of all people without necessarily affirming certain behaviors. That's very important to understand. You might not agree with someone's lifestyle. But because just because they come and join fellowship and are part of the church body with you does not mean that you're affirming their lifestyle. However, this is the but. However, the standard of biblical holiness needs to apply to official church members and leaders. Those of you that get to vote in a couple of weeks' time, those of you who have made yourselves members of the church and have, have put yourself under not just the authority but given yourself to say we're going to uh, be a part of the church and the voice in the church this is to you however the standard of biblical holiness needs to apply to official church members and leaders therefore any sexual relationship outside of marriage between a man and a woman such as adultery de facto relationships homosexuality or any other form of sexual conduct prohibited by scripture is deemed unacceptable for crc ministry leaders Those persons who continue in or promote as acceptable Christian behavior, such practices will be disqualified from being an official local church member, ministry leader, or eldership board member, and from holding a credential within CRC Churches International Australia. Note the love within the language, but also the the discipline that comes as we submit ourselves to the righteous requirements of a holy life. See, we're accountable one to another. We're accountable to the movement we're in. And most of all, we're accountable to God. You see? So there's this this strong language within here, but it gives us a stance that we can stand on and say, this is our stance. This is who we are. We believe in the God-ordained right of marriage and it will be opened to those who meet the criteria. But not only do we believe in that, we're accepting of all people's lifestyles in the sense that they are welcome to our church because, and i will getting to this point to, to finalize, and I'm going to say it right now, we, we accept people in because we understand that acceptance precedes change. We accept the person, not the act. And you'll see it open up really, really simply as I open up 1 Corinthians for you. We don't, we don't condemn the person. We love the person. And I think this is the problem. I, I, I think even in my own self, I've, I've, I've found this as I've, as I've thought through these issues. Am I living as a hypocrite? Am I living a life of grace and the gospel? Or am I living a voice of judgment to a world that doesn't need judgment, they need love? There is so much that can be said on these topics. And, and I'm only just scraping the surface because I, I believe God wants us to have a stance he wants us to have an understanding of his heart toward a people group who are struggling. I know ministers, and this might shock you, I know ministers who struggle with same-sex attraction. It might shock some of you. But the difference is they are living a life that is holy unto the Word of God because they live under the conviction that they can live celibate lives because Jesus Christ, our ultimate example, did. Even though they struggle with their feelings and their emotions, they stand upon the Word of God and they live a righteous and holy life, single, separate, not outworking the desires of their flesh, but living unto the call of God under their life. You see, the, the issue for us is The person sitting next to you actually could have a struggle with same-sex attraction. And if you weren't willing to sit down and talk to them lovingly, then they'll never get God's perspective on this area of life. They will never get it. If you just point the finger and say, that's wrong, and walk away, all they will feel is conviction, condemnation, and they will leave God and His church the world will never hear a voice that stands and judges when that voice doesn't even meet the standards set for them in the bible this is to us to the church this is for us to understand i read to us 1 corinthians 6 9 and 10 i'm going to read it again because i know when i said i'm going to talk about same-sex marriage each of you would have heard homosexuality within this passage Listen to it properly. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. That's a pretty big class. Nor idolaters. I put a post up on Facebook this week, and I actually said that I believe that uh, for our nation, one of our biggest gods now is sex. We hold sex up on this this. Um, this level that we idolize it. And that's why we're having the problems that we're having around our constitution. Because we're holding this thing up and holding up there saying, I haven't reached the pinnacle of my life until I'm having a meaningful sexual relationship. But as I said and alluded to before, the very mark of Jesus Christ was his celibacy. Why are we not as a church celebrating that? Because we're listening to a voice It says, your God is your pleasure. You see? The sexually immoral, the idolaters, nor adulterers. So he's making this clear point. Not only the sexually immoral, but those who would go to the step of actually stepping outside of that and and stepping outside the bonds of marriage. Nor men who practice homosexuality. It's in here amongst all of these. Nor thieves who stole today. Maybe you stole your, your loved one's heart. Who knows? Nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers. What's reveling? It's to actually go around and to stir up confrontation. You see, um, there's people in the church that do this. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we get on Facebook and we just like boom, 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 boom. We just start all this controversy and, and we're actually being revelers. And, and we're not being called to account on this. Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Like These are, these are really harsh things. And yet, what we do as a, as a nation or as a church or as the far right would have us think that we should do is just pick out this homosexual practice without looking at the rest of these and saying, hey, until I have a voice, a right to speak to a homosexual person about their struggles... I need to actually be open and honest before a God who not only highlights the difficulties I have in my life, but gives me the grace to overcome them first. Okay? Homosexuality is listed here among this list of other sins. Do not single it out, for if any of these sins control us, we too will come under the very verse that says we will not inherit the kingdom of God. John Piper puts it this way. After warning the Corinthians not to fall back into lives of sinful practice, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the heart of the biblical Christianity. Such were some of you. Such was I. I fail in many of those accounts, but the grace of God gathered me up and cleansed me, washed me, purified me so that I could be called the righteousness of God. There are Christians in the church at Corinth who were fornicators and adulterers and thieves and drunkards and men who practice homosexuality. These people were in the church. That's why the letter was written to the church of Corinth. It wasn't telling the church that they needed to keep these people out of the church. It was to address the people within the church that struggle with this lifestyle. And you see, it's not that we push them away that will never, ever get them to God. It's just that we embrace them and we bring them into the fold. And it's the fold, it's the life, it's the body of God, the body of Christ that brings transformation and change. Because like I said, it's acceptance that precedes change. need to finish here they were washed that is God took away all of our guilt and shame God has done this in your life Christ himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to the righteousness of God not in our own strength not in our own capacity because if we try that let me tell you from experience you will fail Every time I try to do something for God or for my own benefit or for the sense of overcoming sin in my own power, I'm building my own self-righteousness and I will fail. Every time I've tried that, I have. The only way you can overcome any sin and temptation in your life is by drawing from the righteousness of Christ, which you already are. You already are. You need to live this out of our conviction. It becomes who we are. The heart of Christianity is that God saves sinners through the death and resurrection of Christ. Why would we then put up a barrier and say, you are not welcome? We don't. That's the beauty of our church. We we will embrace the person. But over a period of time, the Holy Spirit will bring transformation and change because that's how grace and love works. You see my conclusion is this. This is your take home for today. I hope I've brought some clarity. You do not stand to the left or the right. You do not get red-faced and angry over homosexual sin or the the desire of these people to want to change the law. It's not righteous anger to get angry about that. It's not because we live in a society that's embracing embracing change we don't live on the sense of the left and we, we allow them to do it because if we do then what we're saying is it's okay you can continue to feel the path of destruction with your own life that's not love that's just allowing them to walk in their con- condemnation we stand in the middle and as jesus was in 1 john uh, in john 114 it tells us that jesus came full of grace and truth. We need both to truly represent our king and the message of reconciliation. Grace and truth. Grace says, well, truth says, you are wrong. Grace says, but I love you in spite of your wrong. Some of us, are very strong truth tellers. You know who I'm speaking to. You have a righteous conviction and you stand upon the Word of God and that is right and needs to be embraced. But you may need a little touch of grace in your life. You see? And some of you are grace givers. You know the caring natures type? They're just all loving and all, and there just seems to be no it just they seem to welcome everyone and embrace everyone and it's okay. But you see, you need a touch of truth in your life because everything's not okay. And unless you actually show them the Word of God that says if they continue in a lifestyle of sin, they're going to a place that they can't get out of in their own. All your love and your concern and your grace will never get them to that place of salvation. It will never get them to encounter the cross. So we need to find in our conclusion here that what God is saying to us as a body, what He's saying to us as a a church movement Australia-wide is yes, in the midst of the battle we're going through, we have a problem and that problem is the world wants to change our laws. And within us, righteous anger rises up. We don't want that. I don't want to be identified in that category. But yet, what an opportunity we get to reveal the love of God as we converse, as we openly have the conversation with people, not to point fingers, but to call out the God purpose in that life, love that God has already put there, the ministry of the Holy Spirit that He's doing in that person's life. You can be the voice of grace and truth, If we, as a body, unite around the purpose of faith, hope, and love. That is our challenge. Where we are truth-tellers, let us reach and ask God for a touch of grace. Where we are overly gracious, ask God to impact us with truth. I, for one, was a massive grace-giver. Hands down, I couldn't confront anyone about anything. But God has changed my life. And He's given me a voice that comes with truth and grace so that people can receive. And I, I see a church. I see a church that will embrace and not run in fear of what God is doing in our midst. See the conversation as an opportunity to share the gospel, whether it be a seed. Or you watering, or you bringing into the kingdom of God something that He has done. Can we do that? Can we accept the challenge before us to be gracious and full of truth, and the other way around, to be full of truth, uh, to be gr- truthful and full of grace, because God makes it available, and it's yours in Christ. Let's stand to our feet. Father, I thank you for truth and I thank you for love. I thank you for a church body that that will be strong and courageous in the light of the current challenges of our nation. Let us not run away from the encounters that you set up let us run like we're running the race. That the gospel be before us. And that, that our lives would speak volumes to many around us. Thank you that we are unique. That we are in your kingdom. And that we are ambassadors of your kingdom. Give us a voice, Lord God, as we stand between, before men and women. As we stand even before Uh, Rulers of our nations, give us a voice, Lord God, that you fill with your Spirit, with your words of grace and truth. Let it not be a judgment as we go forward, but let us reflect wholly and solely first that we were sinners saved by grace. And we now have a job of reconciliation. Let it not just be about a topic, Lord God, but let us see the human in front of us. The life that carries the very breath of God and His image. Help us to draw people, Lord, to an encounter of grace. Let it be in accordance to your word and your will. In Jesus' name, amen.